Welcome to the Modern Woodworkers Association podcast, where our mission is to provide woodworking education for all levels and all types of woodworkers. To find out more about the Modern Woodworkers Association, visit us on the web at modernwoodworkersassociation.com or follow us on Twitter at NWA underscore national. Now to our host, Tom Iovino, Diami Palatki, and yours truly, Chris Adkins. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this, the 55th edition of the Modern Woodworkers Association online discussion about all things woodworking. I am not Thomas Iovino. My name is Diami Plotke, and I'm here with Chris Adkins. Unfortunately, Tom is a bit under the weather today, so we're going to try and keep the ship afloat with Adam. It's going to be a struggle, but Chris, I hope we can do it. We can do it. I've got I've got confidence. Okay, I really don't, but uh, we're going to try our best. So how are you, Chris? I am I am I am great. I um I spent I spent all of last week on vacation, so um so that was nice and got me all nice and refreshed and um now I'm I'm back at it. I've I've been uh, been back at work and uh and everyone says that they want me to go back on vacation because um I'm kind of riding everybody's ass this week because I'm all refreshed. There's so many things I could say about that that I'm not going to. <laughs> um but I'm glad you're back. <laughs> Yeah. So no, it it uh, it was nice. It was very nice. We went down, uh, went spent some time down at the beach with the girls and and let them, uh, you know, it it's it's uh it's good to let the girls you know go down and and spend some time and just hang out in the water and and play. So uh, yeah, it was great. It was nice. Excellent. What about you? Uh it's just been busy. Um, I've had um, I think last time we talked, I think I might have said this in the last podcast. I don't remember. I was I'd been tasked with building a picnic table. Yeah. And uh, I was working to get it done during the day. My wife went to BookCon a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago, and I was hoping to get it done. So I managed to finish our picnic table on uh, on the Saturday of BookCon. And then my wife uh, was excited by it. She actually likes it and posted it around. And I got a commission from one of her friends to build one. So the, the following Saturday, last Saturday, I built a second picnic table. Awesome. Um, and got that dropped off on Sunday. So... I've been making picnic tables. I uh, yeah, I saw your your post on that. Look really good. Um, well, thank you. Um, not all that much to them. It was weird. Like they're absolutely practical, and I like them all well and good. But coming off of uh, Lil's quilt rack, which took me seventy seven hours to make, right. to go to a, go to a picnic table that I could make in five hours, it just right. seemed like cheating. Right. I uh, <clears throat> I remember when um, when I was in high school, you know, when we had shop class. Um, I've heard about that. <laughs> that's right. So one of the things that we did one year um, was we we auctioned off picnic tables for um, oh. for a fundraiser, and uh, that was really cool. So our our shop class made I I don't even know how many we made. Um, I don't know maybe if 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 Mike Orr, who was our um, he was our our shop teacher, he listens to this things every once in a while. If if he ever listens to this, tell me how many of those we made. <laughs> but it was a bunch. I mean, it was so many of these these picnic tables. But it was really cool because uh, what we did was wh- when I saw that you had the two, it made me think of it because you know we we took some and basically made some jigs to put them together, some assembly jigs. Okay. And so you know you you'd cut all the pieces and you got all these parts and you just lay them into the assembly jig and you just you know, screw it right together and, and bam, you've got the whole side and then you put the tops on and, you know, it really, we got a, a pretty good little production going out of it and it was pretty fun. We, we made a, we made a crap load of uh, a lot of picnic tables, but uh, it was a lot of fun. That's great. I mean, I could see how making jigs would make it so much faster. I mean, 
Right. I don't know how long I took to make the first one. I, in the span of a day with a, I don't know, I was home alone with the kids and we had to go to art class in the middle of the day. That cost me like three hours and, and then I had to actually feed them and things like that. So it wasn't like I was working on it every minute of the day, but it basically took me most of the day to build the first table. Right. Um, second one, <clears throat> I actually was timing and, and working as fast as I could and having built one the previous week, the second one went a lot faster. I know the second one took me exactly five hours. You know, if I was making them with jigs and I didn't have to measure things, I think I probably could have could have cut by myself, I think I could probably do it in a, in a little less than four if I was, right. you know, really on the ball. So I could absolutely see how the yeah how the jigs help out. Yep, yeah, definitely made a big difference. Well, cool. Cool. Maybe you'll uh, maybe you'll pick up some more and you'll you'll go into the picnic table business. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> there's so much money in it. Oh yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, well, being away, do you have anything going on in the shop, or have you just been uh, been to, um, on the beach? I I did not have anything right currently. Well, I do have a bunch of things in the shop, but I've got a couple projects that I'm trying to get going on. But uh, right before we went to the beach, I um I I I got the shop you know back cleaned up from a couple of things I've been working on before, and and uh, got everything nice and cleaned up, and and I decided that you know we we like and and I know you you say it's an an old man deal but i you know we love playing bocce ball out on the beach with the girls and stuff and they all like it so so we um i had this bocce ball set and then had this bag that it came with and the bag's like torn and you know it's falling apart and and so i so for a while um you know i think since last year the last time i went to the beach with them we were like hey i need to build a box for these things so i decided um the girls were up in north carolina uh the weekend before we left to go and so i'm like all right i'm going to spend some time in the shop and, and build this box and i i didn't get near as much done on as i anticipated so um you know i i got the kind of dovetails and stuff cut and then and then uh the night before we left to go to the beach i'm like i'm determined to take this box with me um, so I so finished the, the whole thing. <laughs> and that's not that's now not when your family's away and you have all the time to work by yourself. No. This is now your family's home trying to pack a vacation. You're saying, no, you pack. I'm building a box. <laughs> pretty much. Okay. Uh, just, just to make sure I understand. Yeah. Well, it, it was it was pretty much I would work a while, come inside, pack for a while, work a while, <laughs> pack for a while. Uh, and then finally everybody else crashed and I just stayed in the shop and finished up uh, once the car was all packed up. But uh it was kind of cool. It was, um, it was just, a, you know, not nothing too complicated. It was just, you know, a dovetailed corner box. And um, did you make a lid for it? I did make a lid. The lid, it's a the lid slides. It's a the lid kind of slides in. So there's a, a groove all the way around the the lid on it, um, and it just slides in. And I wanted the box because you know it's not something that's just going to sit on a table. It's just going to get carried and sitting up half the time. And so I made the. Uh, I made the top and the bottom the exact same way, so both of them sl slid in. But then what I did was when I got the the bottom in, um, I, I ended up just deciding to secure the bottom. So I drove, you know, I just got some cut nails and drove a couple of cut nails in the on the bottom lid to keep it secured so that it wouldn't come out. Did you go for those fancy Brooklyn-made cut nails that Tools for Working Wood sells, or did you go for the, the masonry nails that uh, masonry. Mr. Schwartz advises? Yeah. No, I just, All right. Yeah. Well, I, why cut nails? Why not regular nails? Because I had some cut nails there, and, you know, okay. I figured I, I wasn't going to fill the holes. You know, they were going to be exposed, so um, so I just figured why not. I had a couple of cut nails laying around, so drove them in. There's no reason other than aesthetics. As far as I'm concerned, having them is as good a reason as any. <laughs> 
Right. Um, but I, I see a lot of guys, you know, specifically go for them. No. And from what I understand, there's a slightly less chance that they're going to split the wood. But if you take a regular nail and dull the tip with a hammer before you put it in, there's a slightly less chance you can split the wood anyway. So yeah. I, I've never understood quite the advantage to them. Um, but you know, I would always defer to is the nails I have on hand. And um, for, for, for me, it was more just the aesthetics of it and just, just how it looked. So um, really no other reason. Okay. Oh, that's fine. So, that's fine. So yeah, I did that, and and it was kind of cool. I I took um, then I took an old belt and cut a section of belt and made two little clasps to hold the hold it on each side and just ran that over the top. So it gave me a little handle to carry it out. And eh, it's a cool little project. It was fun. So um, so it was nice. Got got out on the beach and carried my my box out and slapped it down in the sand and played a little bocce ball. Sorry, I got distracted. You're good. Um. I'm way off track here. <laughs> I had a child interruption. Um, uh, that happens every once in a while. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, I mean, so it was fun. It was it was a very last-minute project. You know you know how you get these projects every once in a while. You're, you've got something that it's specifically for, you know, whatever time. And, and if I didn't get it done, who knows when I would finish the thing up. So I'm like, you know, it, it was determination at that point that I'm just going to knock it out, get this thing finished up. and. You know, I, I mean, you got to remember what it is too. I mean, you're slapping the thing down on the sand out in the on the beach, so you know it doesn't matter if it's you know super perfect. The the intent is to you know it's going to get beat up a little bit and kind of look a little bit rustic. So um, that kind right. Of so things. what you're looking for is something that's practical that you can take make take pride in making, but you know not have to go crazy and right. make it the fanciest thing you've ever seen. Yeah, exactly. So. I gotcha. So what else you got working on? Well, um, besides the picnic tables, uh, I got a couple little things going on in the shop. I've got, um, I have to make a rack. A couple of weeks ago, my wife bought these these hooks. They're like pineapple. They're cast metal hooks that, that we're gonna hang on the wall so the kids can hang up their backpacks. Uh huh. But to space them evenly for the backpacks means they're being attached to the sheetrock, not the studs. So I figured, let me just make a wooden, essentially a wooden plate that I'll screw that to the studs. It'll be wide enough that it'll have all three hooks hanging from it. Um. Mm-hmm. So I had a piece of spalted maple that I've had kicking around that I was originally going to make picture frames for, but it's it's kind of uh, bowed and it's it's not the nicest piece of spalted maple, but I've had it, so I figured let me just use that. Um, so I milled it in you know a couple hours. I mean it's a square piece that I just flattened, sanded the hell out of, and cut a bevel on three sides. Um, and I did my layout because it's going to get face fastened into the wall, and then it's going to get the the hooks hanging on it. So mm-hmm. I drilled out for all my screws and everything. I did all that. And I was going to spray it, uh, excuse me, I was going to finish it with the, the spray lacquer, just the little disposable spray cans. Uh-huh. And I had planned to use, well, I had planned to use the same wood for a picture frame around Christmas. And what I was looking for was a nice, cool tone to the finish. I didn't want the amber you get with a lot of finishes. Right. So I'd actually asked into uh, to Wood Talk, and they had talked about the, the spray lacquers. So that's why I ordered the spray lacquers. And sh- I think Shannon had talked about... Um, I don't remember which a couple different brands, and how he had used used them on some of the craft stuff he had made uh, when he first got started, and different brands working differently. So I I had bought a couple different brands back around Christmas and never used them. So I figured mm-hmm. I've got this off cut. Let me sample it out. So I've got a basically a twelve by twelve piece that I divided up into corners, and I've got one corner done with Watco, one corner done with uh, I'm blanking on the name of the brand, and one corner done with a water based um, polyurethane. Mm-hmm. And one quarter done with shellac, and the two um, the two lacquers 
really came out nice. The shellac gave it that amber tone that I don't want, so I'm not going to go with the shellac. Right. Um, and the water-based urethane was just garbage. Uh, I did not like it at all. Really? Uh, I yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't understand water-based finishes. I don't. Have you I don't have you used it before? I mean, have you? Have I used water-based finishes? Yeah, I have. Like water-based. Yeah. Um, this was, you know, Minwax spray can water-based. You know, this was not a, you know, this wasn't like as good as the general finishes water-based stuff, certainly. But the water-based stuff, I find, I, I'm not too set up to use it in terms of tooling. Like, I, I'm set up to clean after oil-based stuff. And I understand the water-based stuff is easier to clean, but I'm just not set up for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it breaks the habit. And I like the, it. it's not as, I've not seen a water-based one that is as good as the equivalent oil-based. And I don't mm-hmm. have a problem using the oil-based. And it's not like the water-based is water per se. It's just slightly less toxic than the oil-based stuff. For, as far as I'm concerned, it's not a big enough improvement environmentally to uh, to accommodate Right. The, the diminished returns in terms of the, of the finish quality. Um, it's still still got VOCs in it. It's still not healthy for you. It's just right. they take out one ingredient and switch it with water. It's just yeah. I don't know. I'm not I'm not a fan of most water based finishes. So anyway, I used the water based polyurethane. I did not like it. Uh, I mostly didn't like its spraying ability. It it sprayed almost lumpy, which I know isn't hmm. a good description of the way it sprayed. But it wasn't this nice fine even mist I got out of all the other spray cans. It's interesting. I've wow. I've never tried to spray uh, the water base like that. I'd used, um, you know, in in a few cabinet builds and stuff years ago. Um, working with my dad and stuff, I I'd used uh, water based uh, polyurethane, and you know the the only the biggest issue I had with it was um, if we were doing a set of cabinets, you know, that was like say maple or something like that. That there was no stain or anything. It left the maple super white still. You know, you didn't get that that yellowish to it. And you know, right. and, and it depends on what you want. You know, some people like that 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 oil you know look to it that turns it just a little amberish, little not not so much amberish as like um, um, shellac's going to do. But you know, even a polyurethane is going to give yeah, it kind of yellowish. Even polyurethane, I would say, gives it a slight amber hue to it. Right. Um, um, but the, the issue that I had with it was, you know, the first time we ever used it with, you know, using it with. Um, like stains, you know, is where I had the oh. issue um, because it would raise the grain so bad. You know, when you knocked it back off, it would it was bad for for kind of, you know, it'd almost be splotchy just a little bit just because the grain would raise so much. Um, you know, so I think it was and 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 to be honest, it was it was our fault just because you know we didn't you know we should have pre raised the grain before you know we just yeah. didn't honestly yeah. we just didn't know any better using it so uh but, you know i haven't had a, a lot of experience with it you talk uh, about you know it raising the grain you know with these little one of the advantages of the this you know essentially like spray paint spray cans of finish is that almost any type of finish you can finish really quickly i mean even the standard oil based polyurethane in the spray cans i think you can recoat every 20 minutes or something like mm-hmm. they they allow you they put on an unbelievably thin coat but they right. allow you to put coat on coat on coat very quickly right well the water based polyurethane was the only one that recommended sanding between coats really yeah huh um I found that interesting, and it frankly, even with sanding, it's the coarsest finish. The two the two lacquers are almost glass smooth, yeah. and the uh, the shellac and the water based poly were not. That said, if I if I'd rag applied the shellac rather than a spray can of shellac, I could have gotten the shellac glass smooth. Mm-hmm. Um, but the shellac was more of a I had it, and again, I knew it was going to dry super fast, so I figured, what the hell, let me just try it. Um, but it basically gave me the result I was expecting. But the two lacquers came out really nice, so. I think I'm going to go with um, Deft was the other brand. It was Deft and Watco were the two lacquers I tried. And the Watco was mm, debatably nicer. They were both very nice. 
but I have enough of the deft to finish my project. So I'm pretty sure I'm going to use the deft on the project. But I brought the test board in today because I'd finally finished it. And uh, my wife was like, oh, I thought it was going to be blue. Because I had described the tone I was looking for as a bluer tone, not amber tone. Ah. <laughs> By blue tone, I meant clear. <laughs> right. You meant um, clear. Yeah. So right now, I flipped the sample board over. I sanded it. <laughs> And it's got a coat of blue dye on it right now. Oh, So hi. there is a slight chance that if I like the way the maple takes the blue dye, I'll dye it blue before I put the lacquer over it. But I'm right. pretty sure this is just going to be bare, bare maple with the lacquer. Um, so anyway, I got that. For a simple one-board project, it's taken me far too long because I, I keep testing these different finishes. And basically, <laughs> I'm, te- I'm putting two coats of each finish on, letting it dry for a day, moving the tape, covering what I did, and spraying another one because they're all sprays. I can't just rag next to it. Right. Um, so that's I have, taken me about a week to do that. I have always been a fan of you – know, and, and I know a lot of people are not because it's just simple. But, you know, I love just polyurethane. I buy – you know, full strength gallon polyurethane and I dilute it down and, and just, you know, use wipe on. I mean, you know, it's just, it's an easy finish and that's just what I use a lot. Um, no, I absolutely agree. Um, I've, I've lately come to use the, basically the exact same application method, right. but using shellac. Um, yeah. but the polyurethane is, is fantastic too. And that's, that's what I finished. Um, those quote rack with was, the, mm-hmm. was, was polyurethane and it came out gorgeous. It's a, it's a wonderful yeah. finish. I did use, um, but that spray lacquer, I really do like the spray lacquer though. It's, it's not probably a, a finish that I would typically use, but, um, I know, um, a few, I don't know, it's been several years ago. I'd made the, the wooden clock with all the exposed gears and stuff on it. Mm-hmm. And there were so many little parts. I mean, it was just, oh, you have to still finish that, right? You know, the only way I could do it was spray. So I decided to, uh, you know, to use lacquer on it. Um, and use the spray spray lacquer and and it was fantastic i was super pleased i was a, a little you know a little hesitant when i first got it and, and tried it but um, no i loved the finish it was it was great well i'm i know that uh that mark spagnolo has talked about how much he likes the spray lacquer he does lots of different finishes i think because most guys don't have the equipment to you know really spray lacquer out of a out of a out of a turbine rather than a spray can right um but you, you um todd clippinger uh-huh. That's the guy who I'm thinking of. Uh, I think the only finish he uses is spray lacquer. He absolutely loves spray lacquer, and he keeps – I'm not exactly sure what he does with his spray rig, but he keeps his spray rig set up so he doesn't have to flush it out every time, and he basically just keeps it set up for lacquer 24-7, nice. and every time he's done with a project, he hits it with the spray gun. Nice. Um, yeah, so so that's that's taking up shop space. Um, also, I think I mentioned I've, I set up the new planer. Uh-huh. So now I've had – the big joiner for a while and now I've got the big planer and they both kick out more dust than I can manage with anything in my shop now. And they both have six inch dust ports. Uh, No, excuse me. They both have four inch dust ports. So up in the attic, I've had two dust collectors for years. I bought them both off Craigslist years and years ago. Um, And they're both the the dust boy style. It's like a 55 gallon drum with a motor on it and a a bag on the side. Right. So I dragged the nicer of the two of them down over the weekend and after three trips to Lowe's, I finally have the correct 220 plugs to put on it to tie into the 220 I have in the shop. Mm-hmm. Um, and so over the next couple of weeks, I hope to get that set up. And I'm not sure if it's going to be – if I'm just going to get a hose and be able to connect it and just kind of use it as a portable machine and move it between pieces of equipment as I need it right. or if I'm going to try to permanently duct it. I will probably leave it at least semi-portable for the time being. Sure. And uh, But – 
uh, hopefully within the next couple of weeks, I'm going to set that up. But what I realized is I have to buy all the hoses and the fittings and everything to set it up because it, it's got six inch ports. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been looking into this and I understand I could go with six inch ducts and six inch ducts would not be that hard to do or to obtain rather. Um, but because I want it to be portable, I don't want to get any rigid ducting you right now. Flex, I use the right. flex duct and I can get six inch flex duct, but I've mm-hmm. been Impressed isn't the right word, but surprised at the cost of it. Um, and frankly, what I would love is to go with something like the um, – what do they call it? The dust right? The system that the Rockler has, the dust right, the quick disconnects. Uh-huh. So you put the, the dust right fitting on the equipment and it's like a turn lock and right. you can easily switch a hose around. But all their dust right fittings are all for 4-inch hose, which because the tools have 4-inch ports isn't that big a deal. But I, I can't say I've seen – six-inch hose going to a four-to-six adapter going to a four-inch hose going to a tool. But I guess what I'll probably do is run the six-inch flex hose to a four-six adapter and then put the dust right into that end and that'll lock right into the tool. So I'll, I'll, I'll reduce from six to four right at the tool. Because I know gonna, I'm, yeah, I'm better say, off keeping the big hose right. as long as I can. And you're not going to keep uh, – there's not going to be much you know, restriction just going from, from that close to it. You know. No, no. And I, I have to reduce at some point to connect to the tools. Sure. Um, Part of me was looking to be lazy and reduce right out of the dust collector and then just go with the four-inch hose because it's just that much smaller a hose. Um, frankly, I could get the dust right, the expandable one that Rockler has that kind of accordions back onto itself. Uh-huh. I think that would be convenient. Um, but that means I'm only using a four-inch hose and I'm really reducing my airflow. Right. Uh, so I, th- I don't think that's the way I'm going to go, but I got to kind of decide that. But um, but the Dust Boy is down in the shop, so it's that now it's taking up space and in the way. So hopefully that will motivate me to actually get it hooked up. Perfect. I have, and I think you've kind of done always like I have. You know, I've always just used my, you know, my shop vac. I know you've got the Vestal, um, you know, just for for everything I've ever used. But you know, I but I know what you mean. I mean that planer and um, joiner. There's there's no way you can. You know, I just you you can't. I mean, the no. <laughs> the thing spits out so much. Does you know? So yeah, right now the the joiner I've got disconnected because. What I actually use for my my dust collection on my stationary equipment isn't actually the the Festool. It's um oh. the old Clearview Cyclone guys. They went out of business and reopened. They're currently like there's new owners, but it's technically still the same company. Uh-huh. But before they went out, they used to make this adapter for the uh, for the rigid shop vacs. Right. And rigid had a model where you could take the motor off and use it as a blower. Uh-huh. So what yeah, you do is you buy that shop vac, and they made a, a little cyclone. That you take the top off the shop vac, the cyclone sits on top of the 15-gallon body of the shop vac, and then you take that that motor that you can take off and use as a blower, and uh-huh. the motor attaches to the side of the the cyclone. The cyclone. Um, so it, it it's basically a cyclone adapter for the shop vac. Wow. So that's what I have in the shop, and I love it. But it's still it's now it's just a really good shop vac is all it is. It's still just sure. a shop vac. Sure. Um, and that's been okay on my table saw. It works really good on the band saw. Um, it works really good on the miter saw, but the the planer now it just throws off way too many chips. Yeah. Um, and when I hook it up to the planer, it does not have enough suction to clear the chips. The planer clocks. I I had um, I tried I tried it on mine on my planer and trying to hook up, you know, and and it just it just wouldn't work, you know. It just it just like you said, there wasn't enough suction. You know, I've got a rigid um shop vac and just wasn't enough suction to keep that thing cleared out, so. I I just let the chips blow and then spend two hours cleaning up. <laughs> yeah, so. I, I'll tell you right now, I don't have the money to do it, and I have so many other priorities. 
but half the reason I would love to switch the planer, excuse me, to switch the joiner over to a segmented knife mm-hmm. is because it takes out little chips, not wide chips, and right. it's just easier for dust collection. Right. Um, but there'll be other things going on in the shop before I do that. But uh, anyway, so that's that's kicking around. And then the last thing I have going on is that I have been tasked with building a chair. Nice. And that you know that I think the last two years we've talked about what we plan to oh, build yeah. for this upcoming year. And for the last two years, my reason, my uh, my project has been a chair. Yep. And the chairs that I want to make are going to take me months to make. And without the support of my wife, it's going to be a struggle to dedicate that much uninterrupted shop time to a project that she doesn't want. Um, <laughs> so I can either build it as a parallel project along with something that's useful for the family, in which case it'll take me years to finish the chair and take up lots of shop space I don't have, um, or I had to build a chair that she's behind. So um, she has – commissioned isn't quite the right word because there's, there's a, a last no money changing hands, but oh. I'm building a chair for her friend in – can't remember the name of the city in Louisiana. New Orleans. New Orleans. Thank you. Her friend in New Orleans. I have a mental block against New Orleans right now. <laughs> um, so I have to be able to ship it. Um, so it's it's nothing like any of the chairs I've had kicking around in my head. It's gonna. I've decided it's gonna be a folding chair because that's gonna be the biggest expense of this whole project is to ship the chair from New York to Louisiana. So I figured a folding chair inherently should pack much easier than an actual chair chair. Or you could put it in the car and you could drive down to Atlanta. And I'll head on down to New Orleans with you. Oh, would you do that for me, Chris? I'll do it. You know what the saddest part is? I actually own a timeshare in New Orleans that I've never been to. <laughs> what? I, I I don't even know that I want to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably not the right forum. But, you know, uh, on hindsight, see, but here's the thing is, while this could be a really valid reason to finally go and take our week's vacation in New Orleans, uh-huh. I don't want to drive there. Yeah, so even if I do go down, I would be flying. So that's really not going to help take the uh, take the chair. I've driven as far as Orlando, and I'm never driving that far again. <laughs> well, um, I understand that. Especially now, I, I did that by myself or with some college friends. I'm certainly not driving that far with my kids. <laughs> no, no, I don't blame you there. Uh, so, so yeah, so it'll be a it'll be a folding chair. Um, so do you have any designs on the folding chair yet? Are well, you just trying to come up with some ideas? Or I've gone through my the dozen or so books I have on chairs, and um, the only folding chair that I have found in any of the books I have is the funeral chair that's in Tom Fidgen's book. Yeah. And um, having looked through it, I'm really impressed with the folding mechanism. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a rather straightforward, simple chair. Simple is not quite the right word. I mean, it's it's complicated enough, but it's 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 inornate, I guess, is a better way to describe it. Right. Um, but what I found really intriguing is when you have folding chairs, often they're essentially the thickness of the back legs plus the thickness of the front legs and usually a little space between them because they lay basically on top of each other. Um, but when this chair folds, the seat and what become the rear legs, it's kind of got an X profile on the legs but what touches the ground in the back we'll call that the rear legs the seat and the rear legs fold up so that they're within the front legs so folded the chair is only as thick as the front legs so i think that's like two and a half inches or something um but the in terms of a folding chair it's a really efficient means of folding the chair so um at this point i think i may make the funeral chair um like i said I'm, i'm very intrigued by the way it folds um 
So I'm open to other designs. So if anybody out there has a good design for a folding chair, uh, please let me know. And I will definitely consider it. I just need a chair that I want to make and that will fit in a box. So it's a gift. So it doesn't need to meet anyone's specifications, but mine. Oh, that's what I was going to ask. I mean, is there any requirements at all? I mean, what was the direction a chair? Okay. Yeah. Um, the direction was that my wife belongs to a word game, uh, community, Mm -hmm. um, much as, as cool as we think we are in the, in the online woodworking community. Um, there are people who actually geek out in the same way about word games. So, um, their main site that has the, 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 the games they play each day within this community had crashed and it was a uh, half means of bribing and half means of thanking the guy who runs the whole place for having run the whole place for so many years. Mm-hmm. Um, cause none of, there's no money in the whole thing. So yeah. he's just doing it cause he likes it. Um, a lot of the members when the site crashed recently offered him things to get the site up and running again. Mm-hmm. And my wife offered him a chair. <laughs> What about a stool? Can you do a stool? I could do a stool, but I I, I told her to offer him a chair because I want to make a chair. Oh. Um, and I didn't quite think through the we have to ship it to New Orleans I, part of it. Because um, as, as excited as I am about building a chair, I will be honest with, with our listener, a folding chair was not exactly what I had in mind. Um, but you know what? I'm coming to terms with it, and I think it'll be a decent project. And um, – I've got my own ideas as to how I'm going to interpret the funeral chair, assuming that's the chair I go with. Um, but as I said, if anybody out there has any ideas or designs or knows of good, interesting wooden folding chairs, please let me know. Because um, as right, much so, research as I've done into chairs, I've only begun looking up folding chairs three days ago. So it's not as though I've I've really dug that deeply in terms of folding chair design and ideas. So that's what we need. We need anyone that's listening to send in their folding chair designs and if Diami picks one of them we'll we'll come up with something to send to you maybe i'll make two chairs and i'll send you one i was not thinking something quite as much as a chair but and quite frankly i would assume that if you're listening to this you'd rather make it yourself but i have uh, see I, i've been looking i've got a um you know from the last wood magazine article i've got a a wooden flash drive Ooh. From Wood Magazine that has um, every episode or every issue of Wood Magazine on it. So you only picks one of your chairs. Maybe I'll send that out. That's pretty tempting. So, uh, well, cool. That sounds neat. Yeah. I, um That sounds like a fun little project. You know. You know, it's to me, it's kind of cool when you take something like that, though. That's, you know, maybe it's not the project that's the exact thing you wanted to do, but but then when you start looking at it and you start coming up with ideas and there's a lot of things you can do with that you know there's a lot of things that you can um you can come up with some creative ways to tweak and change and you know take some of your you know you 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 take your history and and the things that you've made and and take some of the uh the quilt racks and and go here's some design things that I put in that and how can I incorporate so you know there's a lot of projects like that 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 seems a little mundane at first that you get into and and you just start running with ideas and come up with some pretty cool stuff I think that's absolutely true um and I don't mean to complain I mean I will even if I make you know exactly the funeral chair or any other exact plan or I come up with it my own I will enjoy making whatever type of folding chair I make um and don't tell me I don't mean to poo-poo the funeral chair um 
I do I do like it. It's not it's not quite the style. Again, it's not what I had in mind for my first chair, but I've been thinking about making chairs for the last three years nonstop, and it just wasn't a folding chair. So I think that's mostly what I'm reacting to. Um, hey, in but, worst case, you can go down to the lawn and garden section, <laughs> buy a chair and ship it to. <laughs> <laughs> that might be uh, defeating the purpose here, Chris. <laughs> okay, fine. Um, you know what I should do is take the time that I now, you know, uh, wife sponsored time in the shop and make the chair I want and then go buy him a folding chair. <laughs> <laughs> you could probably just buy a chair on Amazon and have it delivered there. Thank goodness she does not listen to this. <laughs> no, she's not even home. <laughs> um, but no, I'll, you know, it'll be, it'll be a, a fun and exciting project. And I think what I'm going to try to do is, um, is kind of run that parallel with, believe it or not, the treehouse. Cool. Cause it is summertime and uh, I got to get back to the treehouse. Yeah. Um, so how are you, um, how are you coming along with the treehouse? I mean, I know it's been last I touched it was in September of last year. Mm-hmm. Um, just before my son's birthday, I threw stairs on it. So it is, it is functional. Um, I've actually got sitting in front of my shop right now, two eight foot four by fours that I'm going to next time I work on the shop, which will probably not be this weekend because we're going to monster jam. Um, ah, monster jam. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I got to drive all the way into New Jersey to take three boys to see monster trucks. Um, And then the next weekend I'm going down to North Carolina. So it'll probably be about two, three weeks before I get to it. But uh, what I'm going to do is use the four by four to make posts for the railing. And then I finally decided on making the actual railing out of pipe. Okay. I was going back and forth and back and forth and I couldn't come up with a railing design that I liked that would have been easy and cost effective. Um, so I'm going to put one of the posts down at the bottom, one of the posts about halfway up the stairs. Mm-hmm. And then I've got basically equivalent posts at the top of the stairs right now with, that the rails tie into. Right. Um, so once I get the posts in place, then I'll measure for it. And I'll just get some threaded three-quarter or one-inch galvanized pipe um, and just, just make the rails out of the pipe. And it'll be relatively cheap. It'll be strong as hell. Um, and it'll be relatively quick. So that's going to be the rails. Then the next thing I need to do is the roofs. Then put the windows in. Then I have to make a door, and then I and then finish painting it, and then it's done. Perfect. Yeah. Hopefully by the end of the summer. That's my goal. Is that this year I actually finish it. Um. Good. Yeah. I'm sure the I'm sure the boys are. are, are so tell me, are the boys excited about the the treehouse, or are they pretty much like, yeah, Dad's still working on the treehouse. No. Now that they can go up in it, um, they do enjoy it. But I'll tell okay. you, it it doesn't hold a candle to the trampoline. Ah, uh, the old trampoline. Yeah. No, we've we've had a we've had a trampoline almost I don't know, the twins were probably like three when we got the trampoline. We've had a trampoline for a long time. Yeah. And they could spend hours a day on the trampoline. They absolutely love the trampoline. Nice. And the treehouse is appreciated, but it is not quite as cool as the trampoline. Um what I'm what I'm hoping to do with the treehouse, because you know, the boys aren't gonna appreciate every minute of it. Damn it, I will. Um is the youngest is going to be a Tiger Scout in the fall, mm-hmm. and his den, we're basically building the den from family, friends, and other uh, other five-year-olds we know, so it, it's going to be, it should be a very close-knit den. Mm-hmm. So what I think we're going to do is probably end up having a, a, a Cub Scout sleep out cool. in the, in the, uh, the treehouse, because it'll be, it's certainly big enough to sleep six, eight people. Nice. Yeah. That'll be fun. Yeah, I think so. So you don't have any any long term projects like that that you don't finish over the course of years floating around, do you? <laughs> um, let's see. My dad and I've got a uh, a boat that's like 
30 feet long that's been in 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 his shop for uh, a number of years so <laughs> i thought you were going to say you got a tree house that you didn't finish when you were a kid no no my uh i think the boat has been our long term project that we we occasionally do something with but um that that's about the only long term one i've got hey i will say i actually i just thought of something the other day that you know i never get to and it's not really completely tied in woodworking with with my my contracting stuff during the day. But at least as far as design, I was pretty excited the other day because um, you know you were, you were talking about you were talking about the chair build, mm-hmm. and you know you and I um, went to the Jeff Miller class um, on chair design. Um, I don't know what was yeah, it last fall. Or something last like fall, that? it was it was two weeks after Woodwork in America, so it was right. like the first weekend right. in November, the last week in October, something like right. that. Yes. So you know, one of the things that that was in the Jeff Miller class is he he talked about curves a lot, mm-hmm. and and the thing that he kept saying that just you know it stuck out in my head and it still sticks in my head is you know is fairing the curve, you know you know, just making that fair curve. And, you know, what is a fair curve? You can't really describe a fair curve. It's just, it's just right. You know, there's something that's right. You know, it's, it's, um, so, so the other day I was, um, I was at the job site and, and I've got a reception desk at the entrance on the independent living facility I'm doing. And, and I got this idea that the soffit, the fur down up above the desk that I didn't want it just, you know, square and straight because it's like an L shape. I didn't want it just this straight L shape. I got this idea that I wanted to curve it. And Wait, you know, so this is the soffit under the desk. No, it's above the desk. So it's the okay. soffit on the ceiling. Okay. And I just didn't want it straight. You know, I just, I wanted some, just a little architectural detail to it. So I wanted to, you know, on the L on one wall, I wanted to swoop in and then, you know, swoop back out and then around the curve, and then dip back in, and then back out to the other wall. Um, okay. So so I talked to, you know, my framer and drywall guy and said, all right, here's here's my intent, and literally took and just spray-painted this rough layout on the floor and said, here's, here's the design intent I want. Work something out. So I come back up, and they call me up, and they said, hey, Chris, come take a look at this. And I go up there. And literally, they had taken the track, and what they were going to do is put the track on the floor and then just shoot a laser up from that and then transfer it straight onto the ceiling. So where the track was on the floor was exactly where it was going to go on the ceiling. And I walked up there, and this thing, they took my rough spray-painted line and and put it exactly on that. So, I mean, there was not one fair curve on it. You know, it was <laughs> bumps and in and out and sharp and shallow. And um, so, so I, um, so finally I'm like, just let me have it. So, so it was so funny because I was sitting here and I'm like, hey guys. And so I started talking about fair and the curve to these guys. And they're looking at me like, <laughs> they're looking at me like, they're looking at me like they're like Chris, you you just gonna have to do this yourself. <laughs> and so so it was so much fun because you know most of the time I don't actually do much with my hands on the job site. It's just you know I'm telling <laughs> other people what to do. So finally I just sent everybody away. I took a screw gun and took these flexible uh, track and you know I'm down on the floor and bumping it just a little this way and twisting and and um, and I got it exactly like I wanted and screwed it down and. Uh, and and said, all right. And so, you know, and that was when I was going on vacation. So they they then had to take my 
line and track that I did and take the laser and project it up on the ceiling and then okay. follow follow my line and so this How'd was that the, work this is the Friday that I was leaving so last week the whole week I'm going they're going to screw this up so bad <laughs> I was so concerned I just knew it was going to be a disaster when I got back and I came back and I was so happy I was absolutely thrilled i mean it it looked you know spot on it was perfect um, oh that's great looked great so i'm i'm pretty excited about my uh my little my little curve there even that's it, you should send a picture to jeff i i will i'll have to send a picture to jeff on that because it was uh it was yeah they they were uh when i started talking about fair and fair and curves i kind of lost uh i kind of lost everybody at that point <laughs> <laughs> they said well it's just whatever you want <laughs> So anyway, that's my uh that's my, my weekly crossover uh of my, my woodworking and construction. No, you can definitely do it. I built a the very first wooden box I made is our water test kit. It's built like a giant suitcase and it unfolds to hold uh -huh. the spray rig. You can aim it wherever you want. We use it I use it like once a month at work. Uh -huh. So today I was riding the subway with it and I had this giant wooden suitcase with a galvanized steel handle. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. But I think uh, unless I'm missing something, I think that wraps up all that we've got going on. You got anything else going on we've missed? No, I think we have. Uh, we've talked for almost an entire episode about absolutely nothing. So um, hey, no, no, no. We talked about the dust boy dust collector. That uh, is that is six inches of sucking, man. <laughs> that that six inches of sucking. That's right. So um. At this, at this point in the, in the conversation, we should talk about what's going on in Tom's shop. I'm not sure. He's a bit under the weather. So, Tom, we hope you're feeling better. Um, definitely. And before we wrap things up, I do want to mention a, a blog post. Um, it's a little uh, less than recent. It's from May 18th, but it's from Steve Branham, who is an MWA member up in the greater Boston era, era, area. Excuse me. He lives in the suburbs <laughs> of Boston. Uh, and he he has the close grain blog, and I believe that's the name of his school. So he teaches so. Uh, small hand tool classes. I think he does one on one and a couple person classes. They're not very big classes. And um, what Steve had going on is for a while he was doing classes out of his friend's barn in a neighboring town. And in his post, it says where it is. Off the top of my head, I didn't take good notes, and I don't know where it is. But he's moving um, from the friend's barn into his shop, which is in his basement in Ayer, Massachusetts. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, so what he's talking about is this, first of all, just brings it into his own personal shop. So it, it gives him just better access to it. And logistically, it's now much easier to schedule and set up classes. So um, Steve is a great guy. He is a really good hand tool woodworker. Um, yeah. I've seen him give demonstrations at woodworking shows and some of the stuff he's made himself. So if I was in an area where I could get to his garage in an evening, I would certainly go there, his basement rather, and uh, and take the classes. So if you're anywhere near the Iyer, Massachusetts area, definitely look up uh, Steve Branham, Close Grain Woodworking, and uh, and check out what he's got going on in his school. And you can see him at closegrain.com is the website for his address. So I wanted to mention that. Yep. No, great. He's, he's a uh, he's a great guy, and, and like you said, I mean the guy's a you know tremendous you know. Hansel Woodworker, and uh, yeah, that, that'd definitely be something if you're around that area to check out. Um, um, all right, and on that note, I guess um, that wraps us up. You want to uh, you want to lead us out, or do you want me to do the whole thing? Uh, considering I don't have my shop notes up at oh. all. <laughs> well, then in that case, if you're missing us already, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes. 
Just search for Modern Woodworkers Association. Once you're subscribed, you'll be sure never to miss an exciting episode. And while you're in iTunes, please leave us a five-star rating. It helps our rank so others can easily find us. If you want to find out more about the Modern Woodworkers Association, be, sur- be sure to visit modernwoodworkersassociation.com. Follow the MWA on Twitter at MWA underscore national. Like the MWA on Facebook or circle Modern Woodworkers Association on Google+. While you're there, join the MWA Google Plus community for project sharing, discussion, and loads of woodworking banter. All right, and um, two more little things I'd like to add to that. Um, I know I mention this every once in a while, but um, if you will, please, um, you know, I like to ask again to, you know, please go onto iTunes and and give us that rating and uh, and and leave a comment in there. That um, definitely always helps us out, and you know, kind of gets our our ratings bumped up. So uh, I can we can always tell the difference. Uh, you know, it helps helps get the listeners out there when when we get some ratings come in. So. Uh, um, Please do that. And uh, one other comment that I'd like to make is um, we uh, in Atlanta, we've got the uh, our weekly uh, breakfast that's coming up um, this uh, this next Saturday um, at Boulevard Diner. Uh, we always do it the second Saturday of each month at 9 a.m. So if you're in the Atlanta area, uh, please come out and join us. Uh, we started a meetup um meetup group for that uh, so that's a good way to get to us too so uh if you're around definitely come out and join us for it so, i highly recommend that i've met some of the atlanta guys and frankly you'd be a fool not to go to the meeting if you were anywhere near atlanta because who exactly. doesn't like breakfast and woodworking exactly so uh, until next time i am chris adkins of highrockwoodworking.com or you can find me on tri- twitter Twitter at HiRockWW and all those other internet places. I am Diami Plotke of PenultimateWoodshop.com. I am at Diami Plotke on the Twitters. And one other place where you can find me and Chris and Tom and everybody else is over at ModernWoodworkersAssociation.com. So please check us out there. Uh, We very regularly have show notes for the episodes and occasionally even post other things as we're supposed to over there. So it's uh, it's the canonical location for all that we post. You got it. All right. So uh, thanks again for listening and we'll hope you're uh, tuning in next time. Bye.